This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome to the Diabetes Knowledge and Practice Podcast, your bi-weekly source of news, views, and updates in diabetes care. Today's episode is supported by an educational grant from Novo Nordisk, who has had no influence on the content or selection of faculty. I'm James Bannister, and joining me today is my colleague Emma Phillips. Hello. Today's session is a spotlight on the Pioneer Trial Programme. Pioneer is a global program of phase 3 trials evaluating an oral formulation of semaglutide, a GLP-1 receptor agonist, across a number of head-to-head trials and population scenarios. A number of these trials have been published recently, and some were presented at the recent ADA conference in San Francisco. Emma, I believe you attended these sessions? Yes, I went off to ADA earlier this month where data was presented for Pioneer 2, 4 and 6. Uh, Pioneer 5 and 7 were also published during the course of the conference, so it was Pioneer everywhere. I'm actually going to start off by briefly discussing Pioneer 3, which was published in March. This trial compared oral semaglutide with the DPP-4 inhibitor citagliptin and investigated three different doses of semaglutide, 3, 7 and 14 milligrams daily. Participants were people with type 2 diabetes on background medication of metformin with or without sulfonylurea. The trial met its primary endpoint of superior change in HbA1c and its secondary endpoint of change in body weight versus citagliptin at week 26, but this was only for the 7 and 14 milligram doses. The 3 milligram dose wasn't found to be non-inferior to citagliptin. One thing to note with these trials was the use of two estimands to evaluate the results. Pioneer trials were analysed according to both a trial product estimand and a treatment policy estimand. The difference between these two was the analysis of participants who discontinued treatment or went on to receive rescue medication. The treatment policy estimand took these participants into account and provides more of a perspective for clinical practice, including tolerability and or efficacy issues that may result in discontinuation or additional therapy. The trial product estimate models the effect as if all patients remained on oral semaglutide without discontinuation, thus providing more insight into the anticipated effect of the medication without considering additional factors. By considering both analyses together, it is possible to gain a more full clinical picture of what can be expected from oral semaglutide. Now, jumping back into ADA, the first of these trials presented was Pioneer 2, which compared oral semaglutide with empagliflozin in addition to metformin in uncontrolled type 2 diabetes over 52 weeks. The primary endpoint, again, was the change in HbA1c at week 26, which was found to be superior for semaglutide, and this result was also observed at week 52. Now, the secondary endpoint was change in body weight at week 26, but there was no significant difference found between semaglutide and empagliflozin. There was a significant difference found at week 52, with around half a kilo more lost in the semaglutide group, but this was only seen according to the trial product estimate. Pioneer 4 was presented immediately after in the same session, and again was a mixed bag in terms of endpoint achievement. The trial was a similar setup to Pioneer 2, patients with uncontrolled type 2 diabetes receiving metformin, this time with or without an SGLT2 inhibitor and with loragotide as the comparator. Pioneer 2 also included a placebo arm, again assessing the primary endpoint of change in A1C at week 26, confirmed by a secondary endpoint of change in body weight. Interestingly, at week 26, according to the treatment policy estimate, semaglutide was found to be superior versus placebo and non-inferior versus loragotide, but didn't meet superiority against loragotide. 
It was, however, found to be superior at week 52 in both weeks 26 and 52, according to the trial product test demand. Now, for the secondary endpoints, semaglutide was superior at reducing body weight versus both liraglutide and placebo by week 26, and this effect was also seen at week 52. Meanwhile, Pioneer 5 was published concurrently in The Lancet. This was a trial to evaluate the efficacy and safety of oral semaglutide in patients with established kidney disease. Type 2 patients aged 18 or older with moderate renal impairment, defined as an estimated glomerular filtration rate between 30 and 50 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters squared, were assigned randomly to either placebo or oral semaglutide. Baseline medication for participants was metformin or asulfonylurea, or both, or basal insulin with or without metformin. After a year of treatment, a significant difference was observed between the groups. Those receiving oral semaglutide experienced an estimated treatment difference of 1.0% or 9 millimoles per mole in new units, reduction in HbA1c and a 2.7 kilogram reduction in body weight, as compared to the placebo group. Treatment-related adverse events were also in line with expectations of the GLP-1 class, with gastrointestinal events, mainly nausea, occurring more commonly in the semaglutide group. Overall, the trial indicates that oral semaglutide is effective and generally well-tolerated in patients with renal impairment. Pioneer 6 was the cardiovascular outcomes trial for oral semaglutide, so the objective was to find out if and how it affects the risk for cardiovascular disease in type 2 patients at high cardiovascular risk. These patients had to be either 50 years and above with established cardiovascular disease or moderate chronic kidney disease, or age 60 years and above with cardiovascular risk factors only. The trial was event-driven, meaning patients were followed until their first major adverse cardiovascular event, or MACE, as is often referred to, with the primary endpoint being the time from randomization to the first occurrence of the MACE composite endpoint, which was defined as cardiovascular death, non-fatal myocardial infarction, or non-fatal stroke. For this primary endpoint, oral semaglutide was associated with a risk reduction of 21%, but this didn't meet statistical significance for superiority. Instead, the medication was found to be non-inferior to placebo. Looking at some of the other endpoints measured, while there were relatively few deaths in the trial, semaglutide appeared to reduce the risk of both cardiovascular death and all-cause death by half. No significant difference was found for the risk of a first non-fatal myocardial infarction, non-fatal stroke or expanded MACE, which included hospitalisation for angina or heart failure. There was no significant interaction between any subgroups, indicating that these effects were seen across the cohort of patients, perhaps with the exception of age group. So in the 50 to 65 age group, there was a risk reduction for first MACE of 49% with semaglutide, but a non-significant risk increase of 4% in the 65 plus age group. The p-value for this interaction was just on the cusp of significance at 0.05, so perhaps this is an effect that will be elucidated in further studies. With so much data about oral semaglutide now available, it's difficult to pull it all together and make sense of it all. As such, our colleague Stephanie Leonida interviewed Professor Steve Bain on the Pioneer trials and how they look to shape the treatment landscape. So thank you for joining us today, Professor Bain. My first question to you would be, looking across the Pioneer trials presented at ADA, were there any results that particularly surprised you? So it's a very extensive uh, pre-licensed trial uh, program that's been um, adopted for oral semaglutide, um, going right the way from patients who are drug naive, so using it as monotherapy, 
right the way through to patients who are actually being treated with insulin. So I think the first surprise is just how effective the oral peptide is in terms of both HbA1c reduction, but also in the uh, secondary benefit of weight loss. I think it's particularly exciting to see it in direct comparison with some of the more modern agents. So the fact that it's been trialed already against empagliflozin in the high dose of 25 milligrams and has shown benefit both in terms of HbA1c reduction and in terms of weight, which over a year was actually superior to uh, empagliflozin, so that's a, an SGLT2 inhibitor. And then perhaps even more surprising, the direct comparison that has been examined uh, versus liraglutide. So that's Victoza used as it, at its high dose of 1.8 milligrams subcutaneously administered each day. And once again, the oral uh, semaglutide showed itself to be superior both in terms of HbA1c reduction and weight. So these are dramatic results that are coming from the first ever oral peptide treatment for type 2 diabetes. Thank you, Professor, for your response. So my second question would be, as you were involved in the trials, could you comment on your clinical experience with oral semaglutide? Did your patients find it easy to adapt to the dosing regime? And for those that achieved weight loss and HbA1c reduction, what effect did it have on their satisfaction with treatment? So oral semaglutide is co-administered with a molecule known as SNAC. And SNAC enables the pH in the stomach to rise, so it makes the stomach less acidic. And it also helps the uh, semaglutide molecule to cross between or cross over the gastric barrier to enter into the bloodstream. That means that there are certain dosing requirements. So it is a, a once daily uh, treatment, which is good, but it has to be taken about 30 minutes before people have had anything else to eat apart from a half a glass of water. And indeed, they shouldn't take it with other medications. And that should all be on the background of an approximately six hour fast. So in most of the studies, what we've recommended that uh, the recruits do is to take the tablet first thing in the morning after they've been asleep all night and to take it with half a glass of water, that's about 120 mils, and then to avoid eating breakfast, taking tea or coffee, or indeed any other medications for about 30 minutes. Now, you may think that that sounds a sort of onerous thing for people to do. Certainly those patients who enrolled in the clinical trials were able to cope with it quite easily, and that certainly manifests in the big reductions in HbA1c and weight that were seen. So the restrictions around taking the tablet don't seem to affect the efficacy, at least in the setting of a clinical trial. In terms of how did they find it, well, there was a direct uh, comparison with citagliptin, which looked at diabetes treatment satisfaction. And certainly there was no worse satisfaction with taking citagliptin, uh, sorry, semaglutide versus citagliptin. So the uh, requirements in terms of taking it before uh, meals and other medication didn't detract from it. And for those people who lose weight and get good glycemic control, clearly there's a, a definite uh, attraction um, because they're able to achieve these great results but without the need for injections. Okay, thank you for your response there too. Um, for my third question, 
Across these and previous trials with oral semaglutide, the formulation appears to be similar to injectable semaglutide in terms of safety, efficacy and multifactorial effects. Assuming this oral formulation is approved, will there still be a place for injectable semaglutide? I, I think it's likely that there will be a place for um, injectable semaglutide going forwards on the basis that it is a once-weekly injectable versus a once-daily tablet. For, so for those patients who prefer to take their medication and then not have the, the daily uh, chore of taking it, then that may appeal. It may also be, have uh, positive uh, connotations for those people, for example, in uh, nursing or residential homes or those people with poor compliance where the, if there's some sort of medical input or nursing input into the administration of the injectable weekly semaglutide, then at least the clinicians involved know that the, the medicine is on board. So I think the patient choice will come into it, but I think there will definitely be a place for a weekly injectable going forwards, especially with this good combination of glucose lowering and weight reduction. Thank you so much for joining us, Professor Bain. And on that note, that brings us to the end of today's time. To summarise what we've learned, the Pioneer trials have demonstrated that despite being an orally administered peptide, oral semaglutide is similarly efficacious as the injectable. Patients value the alternative route of administration, and Phase 3 trials indicate that it is well-tolerated, effective, and associated with significant weight loss. If you'd like to hear more from us on the latest developments in diabetes, you can subscribe to the podcast across all major apps or stream individual episodes from our website. If you found this episode useful, please leave us a review or tweet us at DKI Practice. You can also access our free accredited CME content at knowledgeandpractice.eu. Thank you for listening. And thank you from me as well. We hope it's been beneficial and look forward to the next episode where we'll be discussing more from ADA in the shape of all the cardiovascular outcomes data that were presented.